Good morning. My name is Weston Kurz. I'm the stand-in message giver today. I don't know if I want to call myself a pastor, because uh, I don't necessarily believe that I am one, but I am an elder here at Church Project, and it is a blessing um, to be here with you today. Good to see all of you guys, and I think uh, I'm really excited about today's message for a lot of reasons. And one of the reasons is Aaron mentioned something, I think it was last week or a couple weeks ago, about how fun it is to actually work on the message ahead of time and prepare it and all the exciting things you get to do. And I can attest to that this week as I've been working on this message and looking at what God uh, would have me bring to you guys today. Uh, you learn so much more, so I feel like, wow, I should do this like every week and like in preparation of having to get up here. And I was wondering, like, if any of you, like, what if I didn't show up today? Um, or is anyone prepared to come up here and, and bring this message? Um, and I thought about that. Oh, that's an interesting thought. If I prepared like that, I would actually know quite a bit more and actually could probably test what uh, Aaron is bringing to us today or what I'm going to bring to you today. But it's exciting. And um, I just want to confess something to you guys. Last week when I was here, um, and this may be one of you or multiple of you today, I came in here last week and it was kind of honestly more of, I was just struggling with some stuff and it was more of a burden. I'm sitting there in the back and kind of going through the motions and the message was awesome last week, and um, I got the opportunity later in the day to go to something else I really didn't want to go to. It was kind of a, one of these things, like a testimony of someone's changed life. It sounds like it's cool, but it's like, I don't want to do one more thing on a Sunday night. But since I went to that message last Sunday night, um, and knew, knowing that I was going to have to speak this week, uh, something's changed. And I think what has changed um, is something that I'm going to talk about today, um, about God's peace for our life about the power of the Holy Spirit. Because I can honestly tell you right now, going from that seat last week on Sunday morning to being in front of you today, I don't have enough skills to come up and even do this. Um, And I can't do this without the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, Jesus' peace that he gives us today. And so I just want to encourage you with that. Um, If I can come from where I was to coming here today and hopefully bring you a message that uh, touches your heart and makes you want to go deeper into the Word, uh, then the Holy Spirit is working amongst us. Pastor Aaron actually today is down in uh, Aurora at Church Project Southlands, and he was asked to give the message there because Pastor Keith in Aurora is down in the Woodlands in Texas giving the message down there. And so this is really cool that we're part of a network, and then we're even going to get to talk later on today uh, at the end, of the end of the service about uh, how Church Project is expanding in Haiti, and, and that's going to be a cool time. Um, getting to speak on these verses today, like I said, is a high privilege. Um, it, it is fun to bring this message to you as we're coming to the end of uh, the book of Luke, which if you've been here since the beginning, and I did want to know who has started with Aaron day one, three and a half years ago in the book, book of Luke, verse one. Raise your hands if you were here three and a half years ago. Okay, so there are about five, six, seven people, and, and that's about probably what it was. Um, <laughs> And those of us that were part of uh, the church at Dayspring and Jacob's Well, I know what it's like when there was, I preached one time, there was like 11. And so um, it's exciting to see how God is moving. And we're coming to the close of Luke. And these are Jesus' last words uh, in Luke. So um, if you want to grab your Bibles and open up uh, to Luke chapter 24, we're going to be going through verses 36 through 49. And if you don't have a Bible and the lampstands to your right and left, um, There's a Bible over there, and that's our gift to you today if you don't have a Bible, if you want to read along with me. So Luke 24, 36 through 49. 
As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened, and they thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do you doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I, myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he said this, he showed him his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate before them. Then he said to them, These are my words that I have spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. This is God's word. There's a ton of information and cool theology just in this passage alone. Um, But I'm going to focus on three things today. I'm going to talk about God's peace for your life, his promises for you and the promises he's fulfilled, and the power that he gives us to live this life and make a difference for his kingdom to bring glory. The first thing Jesus says to them as he comes in is peace to you. The first thing's out of his mouth, peace to you. These are powerful words. Over the past few days, the disciples had been experiencing anything but peace. I don't know if any of you guys are watching the Bible AD or, and watching what's going on there. It's kind of interesting to see all the turmoil that's going on in Jerusalem you know, via the TV um, and seeing, kind of getting a picture of, man, this was a term, really turmoil. A lot of things are going on. Jesus has just died. There's um, fighting between the Jews and the Romans. Um, the, the disciples are hiding from the Jews who are coming after them. There's a lot of things going on. So the first thing Christ says to them, peace to you. Um, they are terrified. I, I mean, put yourself in this, in this place. Jesus now is resurrected, comes to you. They, they are terrified. And they think they might be seeing a spirit or a ghost or something like that. When Jesus asks, why are you troubled? This is a great question for us today. Why are we troubled? Do we have fear or anxiety about our health, our job, finances, our marriage, a relationship that we're in or the fact that we're not in a relationship, our country, or maybe even where our next meal may come from. There are a lot of things for us to be troubled with, aren't there? But Jesus, the Prince of Peace, says, peace to you today. He then asks, why do, you, why do doubts arise in your hearts? Why do we doubt his word and his promise for our lives? Is it because something is not going our way? Do we lack faith? I know I have, doubt, I have doubts and lack faith when I'm not reading the word and when I'm not consistently praying or when I'm not hanging out with other believers. Um, I know my, those doubts and those fears start creeping up more and more. So I think Jesus coming and saying peace to you is our powerful words today, and we're going to explore that a little bit more. <clears throat> but also I wanted to note in here Jesus' point of being human and the resurrected body that he, he comes comes with. He's overcome death, and this is a powerful thing because this is what saves us from our sins. 
But he proves that he's more than spirit by letting the disciples touch him and then by eating with them. I always find it interesting that the God of all creation eats with humans to prove that he's fully human. There's a lot of cool things in Scripture where God's eating, Jesus is eating with these guys, and that's when things are revealed. It's it's kind of a cool thing. Even the communion in the, the Last Supper and things like that, there's lots of cool things how God makes himself like us and fellowships with us eyeball to eyeball across a meal. It's also cruel to remember that we were made in his image, according to Genesis one twenty seven, and to think about that a little bit. Now, this word peace um, that Jesus is talking about here in the Hebrew is the word shalom. and has a far deeper meaning, and this right here by itself is a cool study if anyone wants to go further than where I'm going today. But according to Strong's Concordance, shalom means, now listen to this, to get the whole picture of what shalom means, the peace that Jesus is talking about. It means completeness, wholeness, health, peace, welfare, safety, soundness, tranquility, prosperity, perfectness, fullness, rest, harmony, the absence of agitation or discord. Shalom comes from the root verb shalom, meaning to be complete, perfect, and full. Who of us doesn't want this peace? Who of us doesn't want that wholeness, that completeness, to be flourishing in all that God has created us? So Jesus is the Sar Shalom, the Prince of Peace. And today, Jesus says to you, peace to you. He says this today and every day for that fact. He wants us to give him our troubles and our doubts so that we can rest in him and experience his full and complete peace. Now I want to kind of talk about the promises fulfilled of God. And for people that enjoy math, this may be a little interesting. If you hate math, you may not like this part of the message. But the point of this is is how God is a fulfiller of the promises. And Jesus says in verse 44, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. In this particular case, he's referencing the accounts of him being crucified and rising from the dead. But he's saying Every promise must be fulfilled. And this, I think, is where we have problems as humans. And even maybe the disciples were having this problem. I mean, they just had witnessed everything Jesus had did for three years, and they here are sitting with Jesus before them, still having doubts and fears. This, these guys walked with him three and a half years, saw him. Now he's right in front of them. And God asks us to have faith. But the thing with promises are, with humans, is... We all have made promises. And I think probably in this group or in this room, most of us have probably kept most of our promises. But I'm pretty sure that none of us have ever kept all of our promises. We've been hurt by other people's promises that are unfulfilled. And so that gets us kind of in our mindset like, oh, promises, oh, those are just meant to be broken. But in Christ's words, every promise of the Old Testament is fulfilled in him. And that's a pretty powerful thing. So I wanted to check out um, how many prophecies did Jesus fulfill. And you guys can do your own research on this. I'm not going to say this is exact. But I wanted to do this. And so there are conservatively over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament regarding Jesus. In this article that I found, this professor states there are approximately 456 prophecies about uh, Old Testament prophecies that are being fulfilled in Christ. Professor Emeritus of Science at Westmont College, a Christian college in California, Peter Stoner, has calculated the probability of one man fulfilling the major prophecies made concerning the Messiah. 
For example, concerning Micah 2, 5, 2, where it states the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. Stoner and his students determined the average population of Bethlehem from the time of Micah to the present, then divided by the average population of the earth during that same period, they concluded that the chance of one man being born in Bethlehem was one in 300,000. After examining only eight different prophecies, the same group of people in this, in this professor, they conservatively estimated the chance of one man fulfilling all eight of prophecies was one in 10 to the 17th power. So 10, 17 zeros behind that. To illustrate how large this number is, 10 to the 17th, Stoner gave this illustration. If you mark one of 10 tickets and place all the tickets in a hat and thoroughly stir them up and then ask a blindfolded man to draw one, his chance of getting this right his ticket is one in 10. Suppose that we take 10 to the 17th power in silver dollars and then lay them across the face of Texas, the entire state of Texas. They'll cover the state approximately two feet high. Now mark one of these silver dollars and stir the whole mass together over the state blindfold a man and tell him that he can travel as far as he wishes, but he must pick one silver dollar and say that this is the right one. What chance would he have of getting that right one? Just the same chance that the prophets would have had of writing just eight prophecies and having them all come true in one man from their day to the present time, providing they wrote them down in their own wisdom. Well, obviously God is a God of infinite. Statistics, numbers, 10 to the 17th power is nothing to the Lord. He works in these realms because he is God. So from these figures, Professor Stoner concludes the fulfillment of eight prophecies alone proves that God inspired the writing of the prophecies. He is the writer of this book we call the Bible. The likelihood of mere chance is only one to the 10 to the 17th power. But of course, there are more than eight prophecies. In another calculation, Stoner used 48 prophecies and arrived at extremely conservative estimate that the probability of 48 prophecies being fulfilled is one person is the incredible number 10 to the 157th power. That's a lot of zeros. As Stoner concludes, any man who rejects Christ as the Son of God is rejecting a fact proved perhaps more absolutely than any other fact in the world. So you may have to go back and listen to this message on our podcast to actually go back through that math. And if you want to start dueling down, I, I didn't see anyone taking like writing the formulas down right now, but you can go back and listen to that and, and, and think about that, or you can Google that and find that on, on the internet. It's a pretty cool, interesting thing, especially if you're into the, the probabilities. Some of us will go buy a lottery ticket and the chances of us winning the lottery are far greater than one man fulfilling eight or 48 or 456 prophecies. So what does all this mean? So all this is to say that you can trust that Jesus is the Messiah. He's lived a sinless life. He died on a cross that he could save you and me from our sins. Not of anything that we've done, but all because of his power and his unmerited grace for us. He tells us this in verse 46 and 47. Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And the repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name, Jesus' name, to all nations beginning from Jerusalem where they're at right now. This is the message of the gospel that we are to proclaim in Greeley, in Colorado, in America, and to all people of the world. So are we doing this, church? Are we proclaiming this gospel message to all people in our town, in our state, country, in the world? From creation to the fall to this redemption to the final restoration, 
This book, the Bible, is about Jesus and what he's done for us. Do you believe his promises? Have you repented of your sins? Have you asked for forgiveness? Have you accepted the free gift of Jesus Christ as your Savior? If not, I'm going to give you an opportunity a little bit later to do this. And here's a main point from this area about promises. You can have no peace and no power until you believe this promise. Let me say that again. You can have no peace or power that's lasting until you believe this promise that God has given us. God is not like man. He's kept every promise he's ever made, and there are still even more to be fulfilled. This story, we're right in the story. We may have, if you've accepted Christ, you're in the redemption part of the story. We've still got the restoration that's coming in front of us. If you haven't accepted Christ, you're still in the process of the fall. Like I said, God fulfills every promise. He's not like man. And I know because of this, sometimes maybe this is why we doubt, because we've been burned by big people. But Jesus is not like that. So finally, I'm going to wrap up with power. And um, all of us, I know, can use more power in the sense of doing what we're called to do for the church. So Jesus concludes in verse 49, And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. I've just recently finished reading the book called Forgotten God, Reversing Our Tragic Neglect of the Holy Spirit by Francis Chan. I would highly recommend you take a look at this book. Um, At the beginning of the year, I wanted to kind of focus on two things in my spiritual journey. One of them was the Holy Spirit. We don't talk about the Holy Spirit a lot. And the other thing I wanted to focus on was prayer and how to to really connect with prayer and do that more. But the book on, on the Holy Spirit that I read was this Forgotten God by Francis Chan, and it was super powerful. Um, and I, I got to read it again. There's so much stuff in there. But one of my favorite quotes from the book reads, The world is not moved by love or actions that are of human creation. And the church is not empowered to live differently from any other gathering of people without the Holy Spirit. But when believers live in the power of the Holy Spirit, the evidence in their lives is supernatural. The church cannot help but be different, and the world cannot help but notice. And that's Francis Chan, another powerful book, and I think that's so true. If we're looking like this is a Rotary Club meeting on a Sunday morning at 10 a.m., we are no different than the rest of the world. Are there supernatural things happening here on Sundays, Wednesday nights, Friday nights, throughout your week? Are we being the church? What does that look like? Well, we can do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. Disciples in the first century church knew the power of the Holy Spirit. Read the book of Acts and see all the amazing things that happen. When was the last time you thought about the Holy Spirit? He's called our counselor and our comforter. He can lead and guide our lives if we let him. Do you feel powerless? Are you making a difference for the kingdom? Our source of power is not a better attitude, a longer to-do list, a more willpower, or more stuff to look impressive. Our true source of power is the Holy Spirit living within us. Church, if we really want to make a difference and accomplish God's plan for our lives, we must rediscover the power of the Holy Spirit. So as I wrap up this message about God's peace, his shalom that he gives us, and the promises that Christ has fulfilled through his word and the promises that are out in front of us, these are things that we can trust and build our lives upon. And we talk about the power that we need to live in a broken, challenging world where in America we have 
lots of financial prosperity, but I don't know anymore. I'm concerned about our spirituality and our bankruptcy in that area. Our peace comes from the Lord. Our power comes from the Holy Spirit. And we have plenty of promises that are statistically proven beyond a doubt that we serve a risen Lord and King. And so at this point in time, I want to invite up Chad and Christina Harding. Um, We're going to continue kind of our worship and our message about to talk a little bit about Haiti and what's going on down there and an opportunity that you guys have um, to partner with them. Thank you, Chad and Christina. Um, Appreciate you sharing what's going on down there. And it is a cool opportunity for us uh, to partner with them. Uh, when we looked at this as an elder group, uh, like Chad said, we definitely prayed about it a lot. But one of the important things as we look at anything, um, and this is for our church body here, is does it align with who we are? Um, is it about uh, making disciples? Is it about meeting needs? Is it about growing churches? And as we put it through that kind of matrix, uh, definitely we felt like this, this does those things, and that's, that's why it's important. And after deciding this, uh, that supporting this project did do that, um, it's, and, it, and it's more than, you know, if again, Americanized church, typically that's a Sunday morning, Sunday day, one, one day a week type building. Uh, that building right there is every day of the week. Um, it's also a community center. It's a gathering place. It's a school. It's a church place for worship. And uh, it's, it's an awesome thing that, that we get an opportunity to be partnering with. And so um, we wanted to give you guys, Church Project Greeley, the opportunity to prayerfully and financially support this project. Like Chad said, the project cost is estimated about $20,000. They've already received some funding, but the remaining needs still close to that number. So we're giving you the opportunity today and over the next three weeks until May 17th to pray about and give a special offering to this project. You can do this in a couple of different ways. You can simply, on one of your checks, just write a one-time check and in the memo section put down um, Church Project Haiti or, or whatever you want, something that recognizes Haiti. Um, or um, maybe you want to pray about this and, and you're not prepared to do anything with this today, um, or, or maybe you don't have the money that you want to give to this project, this building, and all that it means um, right now in your checking account and would prefer to do a pledge. And so be praying about what would God put on your heart, whether you want to do a one-time gift or if you want to pledge. And in the pledge for an offering, what we'd like you to do also on this response card, the prayer card that was handed out to you earlier, you can simply on the back write, um, when you turn this in, if you want to pledge, I want to pledge X dollars amount. And I would encourage you that's something that you can complete in this calendar year before 1231. Um, because there will always be more opportunities to give at other things, and we don't want to burden you with an ongoing thing that maybe can prevent you from doing something else that God puts in your life. So simply, you can write on here, pledge, Church Project Katie, a dollar amount, that you can complete by the end of this year. That's another way that you can give. I do want to note something about this, though. Um, we, we typically don't come or haven't, Aaron was saying, we haven't really came to the church body in, with something like this. Um, maybe you and other church, churches have, have experienced something like this. But this is truly an offering. And an offering is described in the Bible as an amount given above and beyond your normal tithing and gifts. If this is going to take away from your tithe or your normal uh, giving to the church, we don't want you to feel obligated to, be, to have to give a gift to Church Project uh, Haiti. Um, if you're a first-time attender uh, or a guest or new to Church Project, uh, we don't expect you to participate this, in this as, as well um, unless God puts it on your heart. This is just really for the people uh, that have been coming and want to partner with what God's doing down in Haiti. 
Finally, if you have any questions about any of this, you can come up and discuss um, this idea with any of the elders after the service. I'll be hanging out around here. There's a number of other guys in here that are elders, and uh, you can come up and talk about them, ask questions for them, more details and things like that. So at this time, um, I want to wrap up and and go into a time of prayer and worship. And so um, if you would just join with me as we we, um, seek the Lord here. So, Father God, we just come before you, and uh, Lord, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for all your blessings. And, um, Lord, I thank you for this message, and in this message um, is your gospel. The fact that uh, uh, we, by ourselves, uh, cannot reconcile ourselves to you without some form of sacrifice. And, uh, Lord, you provided that sacrifice in your son, Jesus, uh, dying for us on the cross, who lived a perfect, sinless life, and who was resurrected on the third day and lives now, lives in us and with you, and we look forward to our future hope and glory with him. God, well, Lord, we thank you for this gospel. And, and right now, I, if there's someone in this room that has never accepted you as Lord and Savior, Father God, it's as simple as this. I would just ask them to pray this prayer, that, Father... Lord, I, I know I don't measure up. I know I'm a sinner, and I, and I need a Savior. Um, my sins have separated me from you. And, Father God, I want to come to you right now. I believe in you. I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe that he rose from the dead to pay the price for my sins and that um, he loves me. He loves me very much, God, and I want to be with you forever. And Lord, we thank you for your promise in this. Lord, as uh, we think about the message today, and uh, you talk about peace, Lord. God, I, I pray for peace over this people right here. I pray for peace over the body of Christ everywhere on this planet. Your shalom, that it would just cover all of us and that we would have a sense of your presence. Father God, we thank you for your promises that are never ending. The promise of your son, the promise of new life, the promise of eternal glory. God, you are amazing. We thank you for your word where we can read about your promises. You are so awesome, Father. Lord, we also thank you that you don't just leave us here to kind of wait and see. You give us the power of your Holy Spirit that we can go out and we can be bold in faith and make disciples for your kingdom and bring you much glory. We know we can't do it alone, God. We fall so short. We come up short every day. But God, you give us the power through your power of your Holy Spirit. And Lord, we thank you for the comforter and the counselor that leads and guides us. And Father God, for this offering for this church project in Haiti, and Pastor Edric and the Smiths, and all the things that are going on there, uh, Lord, I just ask for your pouring out through us as a people born into the probably most financially prosperous country in all time, Father God, I always wonder sometimes, Lord, why, did, why was I born in America? I could have been born anywhere on this planet, but God, you blessed me. You blessed us to be born in this country where we could give so much financially. Lord, I also pray, Lord, that in our financial prosperity that we would not be bankrupt spiritually. That is our challenge. We are not content. Lord, we need your peace. Father God, we just love you so much. You say and tell us over and over again that Jesus is love and Jesus loves us. That is so true and sweet. Let that just wash over us today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So worship is an integral piece of our relationship with Christ, and there are many ways that we can worship. 
maybe for you, uh, today is a time where you need to ask for some prayer. There will be a couple people in the back that can pray with you. Maybe today it's giving your tithes and offerings in our, in our little box back by the, the entry there. Or maybe today worship for you looks like taking communion. On the right-hand side, you can go over there individually or with your family and take a wafer that represents Christ's body broken for you and dip it into the grape juice that represents his blood that was poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Perhaps you just want to sit quietly and just ponder what God is speaking to you today about his promises, his peace, and his power. Or you can stand and sing praises to our king as Jeremy and the team lead us in worship. Right now at this time, if you have a child in Project Kids, if you want to go get them right now and bring them back as we close in worship, that would be fantastic. May God's promises of peace and power overwhelm you today and forever. Amen.